Lord is uh, um, just giving me a word of uh, explanation for <clears throat> many of you. And uh, the Lord is saying this. He says, uh, uh, you don't have to tell me what's wrong with you and how to fix you. Don't ask me to fix what you think is wrong either, says the Lord. The Lord is saying you're, uh, you're, you're restructuring your restitution and your redemption are on schedule. I have everything on a schedule, says the Spirit of God. I know what needs fixing and when and how to fix it and the circumstances that I'm going to use to get it fixed. And the Lord is saying this. He says, just rely on the fact that everything that you have is in you already. You are complete in me, says the Lord. And there is a a place in you where completeness shines all the time. And there is a place in you where oftentimes what's not correct is exposed, says the Lord. Once it's exposed, then you and I deal with it. And I'll give you instruction on how to repent and how to expect change, says the Spirit of the living God. For I am the master uh, molder and shaper, and I know how to take... um, How to take what's deformed and reshape it and not cut it off as some of you want to do. The Lord says, stop being angry with yourself. Stop picking up the anger of other people and blaming them for what you hold in your heart. Did you hear me? Stop picking up the anger of other people and blaming them for what you hold in your heart, says the Lord. He said, this is a great deception of the enemy. He likes to magnify your faults, magnify your wrongdoings, and magnify your misshapen things and your deformities and mock you in that. He says, I will not have you mocked and I will not be mocked, said the Lord. But he says, I have got you on a schedule for your reshaping, for your for your uh, um, conformity to my image. Uh, I'm the mirror that you look into, and I love you. Whenever you look in the mirror of your word, you see love, and that's all you should ever see, says the Lord. There's no condemnation in there to you. And so understand that I am yet molding and shaping. Those of you who have given up on being reshaped and remolded, look again and take a fresh look and see that there is much left to do, for I'm yet uh, having all of you on the potter's wheel, says the Lord, but it's an easy wheel. And it's going to cause you to come forth in such manner and such glory that the world has never seen. It won't be like you think it's supposed to be, says the Lord. But it will be uh, my making. It will be my image. And it will be what uh, the world, uh, what I want the world to see in you, says the Lord. Uh, I am not the God who tries to make every beat everybody up and make them behave. He says, I have much more in store for you. I have a deeper work in store for all of my people, and I mean to accomplish it, and it will be accomplished. Just stay with me and trust me, says the Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. Amen. So, praise God. So, today we're going to talk about the fact that the blood spares us. Amen. The blood spares us. The blood spares us. All right. So we need to understand that everything for our um, success, and when I say success, I mean uh, coming forth in things the right way, uh, coming forth in things according to what God's plan is. 
coming forth in a way that what uh, we what he's working in us will last and that's what success is it won't be a fleeting thing uh, but it will be something that lasts and so I'm, I'm, uh, when I think about that, sometimes the thought comes in my mind. I had a friend that, uh, you know, every time you looked around, she was uh, moving somewhere. And, and, you know, oh, we we moved into this so-and-so. And it was always the most expensive, you know. Like she called me one day, well, we're living in so-and-so now. We're in the penthouse. And, you know, and she told me they were the penthouse. And, how wonderful it looked and, you know, all it was and all this. And she moved so often, you know what I'm saying? And it's just, <laughs> But she said this one time, she said, oh, I don't care if I don't stay very long. At least I got in there. No, that's not right. See? And what is Amos 9.13 tells us? He won't be uprooted. See, that's... That's not success. Cause they never possess anything. Anybody can move every time the rent is due. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, come on now. But you should be, get tired of living out of a suitcase, packing up and moving on and never having any, you know, living that lifestyle. Unless you're running from somebody. Now if you, you know, if that's what you're doing, have at it. <laughs> but God has always given us permanent possession of everything. And I think oftentimes our greatest fear for using our faith is that it won't last. Hmm? Whatever we're believing God for will be temporary because we think about, when you think about getting it, if you can get yourself past the fear of, of getting it, then holding on to it is the next great fear. You know, I'm 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 able to pay my bills as long as I work, but what happens if I get sick? This happens, that happens, whatever happens. Um, there's this sense, and it's a correct sense, that whatever is of the world is temporal and temporary. But you live in the kingdom and so everything you possess is tied into God's kingdom by your faith in him and is his character and what he's told you and all of the attributes of God are tied into everything that we do so when you do things that that wind up being permanent they're permanent because God is permanent huh I remember a lady calling me one time. This was years ago when she, and, uh, she asked me for prayer and she was, she was upset and she was saying, and, and she had told me that, that she was separated from her husband. And I said, well, you know, if I'm going to pray with you, we got to get an understanding about where God wants to go. I said, he wants reconciliation. Well, do I have to take him back? I said reconciliation. Whatever that means to you. I said, now you took him in once. What's wrong with taking him back? Oh, here we go down this road again. He yours. 
He don't belong to nobody else but you. By reason of the vow. (laughs) Thank you, Poppy. Huh? You, you committed to him. God didn't put a, pull a gun on you. Ain't nobody told you you had to do nothing. Huh? Well, see, uh, uh-uh, not, no, not, we'll see. What you do when you enter into a vow, if you belong to God, he's in the vow with you. In fact, he's in the, every marriage vow, whether you saved or not. Now, how can you stand up there and say you go, uh, till death do us part, uh, is forsaking all others, cleaving unto you, leave father and mother, but you can promise all that on your own power? Wow. <laughs> so there must be a power greater than you backing it up. Wow. All he's doing is helping us to fulfill our vow that we made. Amen. You got up there and said that. Everybody you knew told you to stop and don't do it, but you went and did it anyway. So now God's just doing his part. Helping you uphold your blabber mouth self. Huh? That's all he doing. So I said reconciliation, I said starts in your heart first, which means quit spouting off about how no good he is. He ain't never done this. He ain't never done that. So we're just going to stop that. We're going to forgive. If you're going to pray with me, we're going to have to forgive because I don't get involved in no witchcraft. Huh? So she said, well, okay. <laughs> Whatever. So she she said, but one thing, one question I have, she says, is every time I start doing good, if I get a good job and have money, he shows up. I said, well, when you ask God to bless you, he's part of the blessing package. You, the God sees the two of you as one. Why shouldn't he show up for his portion? You know, people don't really think sometimes. Huh? You can't steal from God and you can't cheat. Huh? Yeah, he's going to show up. Because he's getting blessed. You crazy enough to live over there and try to pay rent without him help yourself. But that brother is getting blessed and he knows it's time for his blessing. That he got more faith in God right about now than you do. He just riding in on the prosperity way. Hey! <laughs> oh boy. Oh, don't think you're going to pray to God and still be a thief. Selah. Where was I going with this? Where was I talking? Oh yeah, the God who spares us. What was I talking? Was I talking about anything? This is just my intro. 
Got to have an intro and an outro. And a little teeny middle in there in the sandwich. A little meat in the sandwich, but no, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> but God wants us to know <clears throat> that his blood spares us. Amen. Spares you from all the negative forces that can ever come against your life. It's because of that shed blood. And, and your, your ability to honor that. Okay. It's your ability to, to honor the shed blood that really gets your life in order. So you can't trample it underfoot by just taking what you want out of the covenant and thinking you can leave everything else behind. Amen. It has to be honored. Amen. It has to be honored in the right way. So uh, I thought we'd start talking about... Um, <clears throat> We'll start with Abraham and Isaac. It was one of the first encounters that where we see a man with covenant with God uh, is spared by the blood. Uh, um, Noah and his household were spared by the pre the pre shed blood. It's assumed that he had some type of blood covenant with God because Adam and Eve did. And so that teaching about how to contact God was shared with every generation. So we assume that. But then it came down to the uh, the aspect of raw faith. Like who was left on the earth really believing God? And that turned out to be Noah. He was saved in his fam- <coughs> whole family. And then we see God's encounter with Abraham where he has to now reintroduce himself uh, to man and in and begin to reveal himself through his activities with Abraham in the life of Abraham so that we can see some of the aspects of who God was so in Genesis 22:13 is where we're going to go first so that we can see how Abraham encountered God and understood that the blood spared him this was not the first uh, encounter Abraham had with offerings and sacrifices before God. He had started out building altars to God, but then God had to instruct him uh, what a, a proper sacrifice was. Remember when Abraham thought he would die childless and God told him <clears throat> that he was making a sure covenant with him. Then God had him go and get some animals and split them open. But God put Abraham to sleep so Abraham could not see what the activities were. The other part of it, too, is that in the the blood covenant that we share in now, there's no humanity in it. No weak humanity in this covenant. And so that going, putting Abraham to sleep was symbolic of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit cutting this covenant on behalf of the sleeping man, <laughs> you know, who, who they, they, when he woke up would be the recipient of. It's like us getting born again. We're dead people when we're in our sins. So we're asleep. To the things of God. And then God wakes us up to this covenant that's already been cut. And we didn't have nothing to do with it. Praise God. Amen. We just accept it and embrace it. 
and we honor the blood. Amen. Even though we didn't shed the blood, we honor the blood that was shed on our behalf. So here we have uh, um, uh, Abraham now is, um, he's walked with God and God has revealed himself to Abraham in different ways. It was a hard concept for people. You know, you just didn't have books and tablets real handy where you could write stuff down and read it like we do in the Bible. So I want this, I want that. I like this in here. I don't like this so much. Abraham walked with God. And what that meant was they experienced God as they lived. So you would meet God in everyday situations. And sometimes God would show up on his own and begin to instruct you what to do. But he was always revealing himself as the one who would take care of you in this area of your life. Because surrounding these people, and Abraham came from this background, was were people who uh, offered up to many gods. Like if you if you lived in the valley, there was a god of the valley. If you lived in the mountain, there was a god of the mountain. If you lived in, or if you needed money, there was a god of money. If you needed children, there was a different god. So they had many, many gods. So our god wanted to bring it into him as one god. And so what he had to do then was he he revealed himself. He was the same God, but he had to reveal himself in different aspects. So then we we get what we call the redemptive names of God. You know, the ones in you know, in the eighties we used to recite them all. Didn't know what they meant. Couldn't remember. Just say, "Oh, shout out which one is which one's that again?" Now forget. You know what I'm saying? Then you get a T-shirt with all the names on it. And you still can't still can't remember them. All. Oh, I forget. Well, his name's Jesus. That's why you can't remember them all. So anywho, so uh, Abraham, now the redemptive names of God, it's important you understand what that really means. Uh, before, before Adam and Eve sinned, they were in the garden along with God. And they knew that that God was named Elohim. Which means the strong one. Okay. Strong one meaning almighty. It's also translated almighty. But other, the other L terms are sometimes almighty too. Al Shaddai is close to almighty. But Elohim, the strong God, meant that he was stronger than Adam. Got me? Adam was strong in his own right, but he was subjected to the strong God who was the strongest power on the earth. And because Adam had no sin on him, he could make close contact with the strong God. So it was like Adam, like father and son. Amen. Uh, how would you ever wrestle with your arm, wrestle with your boys? Well, that's what God showed me he and Adam would do. Adam, the strong God is here. Show me how strong you are. And Adam, they wrestle. And because there was no sin, if he had done that to Adam in his fallen state, he'd have killed him. So there his relationship with the strong God ceased when he sinned. And then we went over to the redemptive God. 
the one who has to pay to purchase you back out of the sin in this area so he can give you his strength little bit by little bit. So we get the incremental strength of God. That's why we got to cry for glory. How many times we put glory on flyers? Keep asking for it. You keep asking even though you may not get it because God knows best, probably not ready to you understand. So he has to prepare us and get us ready to to be placed in the that position and so forth and so on. People are always crying for more than they're ready for. Huh? Always. That's just so human. When little kids are, are, when they're little, they want to eat what you eat, but you know you can't give it to them. What do, what do parents do? Now, I don't know if it, they don't let y'all do this. The doctors tell you don't be doing this, but my parents would chew it up and get it soft so the baby could eat it because he, you knew he was going to keep bugging you till he know what he's smelling. You can give him that food in that jar if you want to, but he's going to spit it out because he want what you eating. Amen. Whether he's ready for it or not. It's amazing. You give them that little bit and they satisfied. They go, go off and play all day on that little bitty. Cause they got what you eat. Well, that's the way we are with God. We want what He feeds off of. We want the atmosphere that He lives in. We want that. Even though maybe we're not quite ready for it, but we know that he will break it down for us, get it in little pieces so we can digest it and chew it and enjoy it. That's why sometimes a little bit of glory that comes in, we just a weep and carry it on and get quickened, huh? Don't let it happen around people that ain't spirit filled. They jump and shout and run around for 15 days. <laughs> Be in a trance for for seven days and stuff like that it's funny we have we first started having our conferences i think some of the first uh, uh videos we made you know we get reports from people i watched that thing and i was up talking to god for three days couldn't sleep all night long it just god kept me you understand what i'm saying it's is we're hungry for that and and overwhelmed by it at the same time and that's the way, that's how, why God had to reveal himself through what we call his redemptive names. So the redemptive names came later. When he first revealed himself to Adam, he was described only by his ability, the strong God. Amen. After man fell, he was introduced by his ability plus the effect that he has on humanity. Got me? So then uh, um, the way God is going to reveal himself to Abraham, he is going to be Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. So Jehovah means the Lord God or the strong God still. But the strong God who provides for you, the strong God who himself provides, not with your help, 
but who himself provides what you need. And so then the redemptive names came because people would get into these situations where they needed something. If they hadn't had an experience with God to receive that, then he has to introduce himself as the one who can provide that thing to him. And so, and he's still doing that with us. Even though it's it's under the name of Jesus, all power is given there. Power to do what? Anything that you need to have done. And so uh, you'll see people want to start messing with the name of Jesus. They want to go back and get some Old Testament name as a, a substitute or try to sound intellectual. You can be intellectual and, and die from not getting healed if you don't know all authority is in his name. See, there's no other name given among him. No other name. No other name has been given to us by where we will be saved, healed, delivered, set free, go to heaven, whatever it is you need. It's all, all the redemption is in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, people want to keep calling God Abba. Well, yeah, he my Abba too. But listen, when I need something with the authority, I need, I know what to do. You understand what I'm saying? I pray to Abba in the name of Jesus. Don't get screwy out there on me, y'all. I don't know what y'all be doing Monday through Friday, but you understand what I'm saying? Don't get goofy and start leaping off and finding all these people that like all these exotic names and everything because they really don't know what they mean. I don't know anybody on Facebook who's a Bible scholar. Do you? All the scholars out writing books. Praise God. (laughs) You know, people, people funny. They got all kinds of ways of trying to repackage themselves remarket themselves you know you know when you when you write books you it's different than somebody recording your preaching and then writing a book from that well, you start out with nothing you got to go get research books you got to pray and listen to god and take notes all that kind of stuff not that those those tapes i mean those books from tapes aren't edifying but that don't put you in the league with Bible scholars just because you sell books in Kmart and Walmart, Amazon. You understand what I'm saying? That's so doable now. So don't be deceived, folks. Don't, don't, you know, let God lead you to what you need. You never go wrong when that happens. Amen. He led you here, so pay attention. <laughs> you got me. I mean, seriously, that's step one. And you won't get get all, you know, deceived and squirrely and all that kind of stuff. So you don't know what background people have and what anything. Everybody's got a voice, and everybody's got a profile picture. <laughs> Even though it might change every other day. Oh, this one looks so much better. I put this one up, huh? Or you know, if you get a little older, you start this. 
the turtlenecks and the selfie. Or I like the one that only have the eyes and nose. Still not as a dead giveaway. Shoot. But I be taking notes though, you know. I'm about to try that one. But anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. So there's a lot of deception out here. You don't want to be deceived. People play tricks. You know, they're old tricks. And so, you know, thank God when you're around long enough, you know all the old tricks. Helps you figure out the new ones too. Amen. And we all went through that phase where people spoke a lot of Greek and Hebrew and tried to sound like they knew something. Until uh, they lost everything or got kicked out of church or went back into the world, then they didn't know nothing. So if you know the name of Jesus, that will keep you going until until he comes for you. Amen. So just stay with that. So here here we're, we're going to be introduced to Jehovah Jireh, J-I-R-E-H-H, which means really the the Lord God who provides, who himself provides because he sees. So Jireh really means the Lord who sees. But the implication, see, the the Lord who sees is a reference to the strong God. That's Elohim. But the fact that he sees does not mean what he can do for you. So the implication here, uh, when you talk about a redemptive name, the Jehovah name, is that he is the Lord who sees and has compassion and helps you out and does something about it. So, so any redemptive name of God must have an implication. His ability has an implication involved in it in his redemptive name. So if you know that he sees, you know that he, like in the, um, trying to think of the scripture. Now I'm a little slow on my chapter and verse thing. You know, you know, I'm not a scholar. Let me put it there. No, but there's a scripture that I'm trying to think where it is. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's either Philippians. It's in one of the epistles. It says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And so here comes the, the, what is it honey? First John 5.14. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And then the redemptive part has to be explained here. For those of us who are not Hebrew, you know. See, if you said that to a Hebrew, they'd know exactly what you mean. And it says here, and if we know he hears us, then we know we have what we're asking for. So he doesn't hear you and turn his ears down till you know. Amen. And so if we ask according to his will, he hears us. If he hears us, we know that we have it already. Mark eleven twenty three. So if we have it already, we can be anxious for nothing. So as long as you're asking according to God's word, he hears you. But you've got to have confidence that he hears you. 
So what, how do you get your confidence? Because he, he, he hears you and he's already got your answer back by an oath and a promise. Two things that hem him in and make it impossible for him to lie. So he has not lied to you. I don't care how long it takes for you to get what you see. This is the problem is the waiting time or what we do while we say we're waiting. Huh? You can wait and watch. That's permissible. Watch God. Watch him answer other prayers. We all do that. We're all looking for evidence that ours is coming. All the time. And we should be. It's called expectation. It's not doubt and unbelief. That's expectation. Hey, God, you're doing this for the hum over. I know mine is on the way. Amen. And so Jehovah... Jairus sees and fixes what he's looking at. Or he brings things up to the quality of his vision for our situation. You got me? In other words, he sees and he brings you into focus and into unity with his plan for you. I don't care what's messed up in your life. He'll bring it into focus, into unity with his plan for you. Amen. So we have to hold on to that. You know, no matter what you see in the natural, what's going on in the natural, you've got to hold on to Jehovah Jireh. Huh? Is the one who is taking care of me in this situation. And he sees my situation. He sees that this is not right and that's not right and and this isn't the way it's supposed to be or this isn't lined up with his promise for me. But you got to make sure that you in faith in something he's promised you and you're just not mad at what you don't have. See, there's a big difference. I could be mad about what I don't have either, but I ain't got that kind of time to waste. You know, Lord, let me know a long time ago. You ain't got time to mess around with that kind of nonsense. You got enough time to develop your faith and start being obedient to me. Start being thankful for what you do have. Amen. Learn how to rejoice. Learn how to be glad. Learn how to not expect trouble. Learn how to expect my goodness. That's called faith. Faith isn't just grabbing a scripture and confessing it. Faith is having that thing locked in your heart and then all the blessings and benefits that come from having that thing in your heart belong to you. See, it's not what you possess that's going to make you happy. It's your attitude about it. See, you can be happy every day while you waiting to get so-and-so. And people, I be glad when I, well, don't wait to get glad. You can be glad now. Huh? Why are you putting off glad? Oh, well, okay then, maybe. Sila. No, everybody was looking forward to the holiday. Now it's over. Everybody looking dry again. I'm thinking about myself. Well, where did y'all go? What did y'all do? <laughs> huh? Well, I didn't, I only got the holiday off. Well, you got a day off. You ever read a Christmas carol? 
You work for Ebb Scrooge, you didn't get Christmas off, huh? And no money to buy no gifts with either. Just saying. <laughs> I I really enjoy uh Peggy Walker. She was said told me that recently she is working at <laughs> she calls this a job. She's a concierge at, um, what is it, Mercedes-Benz? Lexus, yeah. Does she drives it. she drive a Lexus now? She, that's what I thought. But anyway, she wasn't working from them luxury car people. You know, I call it a play go- job, but anyway, that's between me and her. But anyway, I said, boy, them some jobs you be getting, dear girl. But she's owned her own business. She's really a hardworking person, very hardworking. Uh, she's a mother and grandmother. She takes care of everybody and everything. But she's one person who has always, I have never known her to say anything bad, negative, ugly about anybody. She is always thankful and encouraging. And, but she, she seems to have a lot. And she does. Because you ever get a tip sometime, folk? Maybe this thing about thankful and gratitude provides for us. In a way that we've never experienced because we don't even try. See, we'd be happy for three minutes and then your face is mad with you because it made you made it move. Huh? Seriously. I don't know where Christians got this idea. Listen, you've escaped hell. You've beat the devil. Them drug dealers and, and people you slept with for years can't find you. You're in a witness protection program. You understand what I'm saying? You've escaped certain death over and over again. And you smoked something that had a gorilla stamped on it. And it didn't kill you. And it should have killed you. Huh? So you got a lot to be thankful for. You got a lot to rejoice about. Just think about it. Think about it. (laughs) But you have to do these things on purpose. You have to cultivate a joyful and a thankful heart on purpose. And it has to come from your heart. Once it starts coming from your heart, you can't stop it. You can hear bad news and joy still comes up. Huh? You can hear about trouble and you still have a heart of gratitude. Amen. But you let your crazy flesh get involved and you, you know, nothing's right. Everything's wrong. And you know, all that kind of nonsense hinders your faith. Number one, if you think you're in faith about stuff, you're wrong. Faith can't grow in an atmosphere of negative thoughts. It has to grow in a pure heart. So Abraham now needs to meet God in a different way. This is important for him and it's important for us. As much as we know about God sometimes, he still wants to introduce us to himself to us in a new facet. Amen. 
So that's why many times our faith is tested. Huh? You can, you can have the greatest abilities of anybody in your company and be overlooked for years. Huh? Why? Because that's God's design for you. If you belong to God, if you're being overlooked, you're not being overlooked by anybody. God's watching you every day. You understand what I'm saying? You got to understand who's watching and who's not watching. It makes no difference if your boss recognizes your talent, skills, and abilities. Huh? People flatter you every five minutes, every ten minutes you look around and say, Oh, you just do this so well, and you do that so well, and do you and if they can get you to live off of their words. But you start living off what God says about you. Huh? And see, see if you won't live. Huh? You'll live in the highest level if you start living off what God says about you. So Jehovah sees and provides. Jehovah Jireh, look down upon us and see what we need and provide. We thank you for the provision. It says the Lord himself will provide. Which means he, in the new covenant, he provides himself. Huh? So when you, when you have a lack in you, and it's hindering you from getting to the next place you need to get in God. The Jehovah Jireh of our testament, of our covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ, provides himself in that aspect. Amen. So if it's wisdom you need or wisdom you lack, the, the Jesus as Jehovah Jireh will provide himself, his mind on the inside of you to help you and not just one time it'll be permanent every time you need it you can call it up because he lives inside of you now that is so much better than meeting him with an offering and a sacrifice of the blood of a bull or a goat if you didn't do the sacrifice right he didn't show up I mean it was hit or miss a lot of times folks but he shows up every time now as long as we honor his blood, amen, as long as we honor his blood, he will show up. So in, uh, so we're in Genesis 22 and verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did test Abraham and said to him, Abraham, behold, here I am. So we said 2020 would be. God told me to rephrase it. He said, test was too strong for people. Even though he told me that. Oh, how come, God? I... <laughs> See, certain people, test don't bother them. You don't understand what I'm saying? I say, hey, what's new? Huh? I'd be scared if wasn't nothing going on. Right. But anyway, but he said 2020 is 40. He said 40 is the number of testing and trial, biblically speaking. But he said, tell them it is the double passing the test. (laughs) 
to receive the double reward. So when you know test and trial, you know for a fact that you're going to pass. There's no dropouts in this kingdom. God won't let you drop out. Huh? He'll have angels speak answers to you. Remember, you get all the help that you need, plus the Holy Spirit yanking you over here. Huh? You know, the Holy Spirit is very, very uh, generous. I won't say gentle because that's not a word to put on uh, the Spirit of God because he can do whatever he wants to do. But the Holy Spirit has a way of communicating with us. He lets you do it and then look at it and see it messed up. But he won't say, look, I told you. You say that to yourself. Hey, he told me I was good. Why not listen? Amen. So then the correction comes from you. And that way you'll receive it. Huh? When it comes from you, you are the strongest voice in your life. Amen. I know that because I've been talking to y'all, some of y'all for 30 years about the same thing. You ain't heard me yet, but that's okay. I'm not offended at all. Far be it from me. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Everybody knows when the teacher talks of that stuff you don't like to study, you just shut your ears down. You say, oh, well, I'll, I'll listen the next time. She'll be on something else next week. <laughs> oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Okay, so anyway, he, he is, uh, Abraham is getting ready to pass the test. Take now your son, verse 2, your only son Isaac, whom you love, And get you into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I would tell you. Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his ass and took the two, his two young men with him and uh, Isaac, his son, and chopped wood and put that up there and rose up and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day. Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abram said to his young men, stay here with the donkeys and I and the lad will go up there and then come back. That's redemptive faith. That's redemptive faith. Um, let's see, where did I want to? take this let me and abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon isaac his son and took the fire in his hand and the knife and they went both of them together and isaac spoke to abraham his father and said my father he said here am i my son he said behold the fire in the wood but uh <laughs> we missing something <laughs> It's smart to raise questions, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. And and uh, he said, Abram said, my son, God will provide himself. 
God will provide himself. So this is really a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. Because Abram had already been recipient of a covenant that he had nothing to do with. So he was already familiar with Jehovah God who himself would provide something. You know, even though he was a strong God, he was making provision for him in areas where he had no ability and and faltered in his desire for the provision. Amen. So let me see if I can find that one that I'm looking for. Yeah, in um, Hebrews 11, if you'll turn there, 11:17 says, "By faith Abraham, when he was tried, talking about this um, situation here, offered up Isaac, and the he that had received the promises." So, what did Abraham already get a promise from God for? That. In Isaac, his seed would be called, and it would be as many as the sands of the seashore and the stars in the sky. Isaac has not yet had any children, so he can't die. And Abraham knows that. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall your seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, which he also received in a figure. So if you go back to where we just were reading, Isaac, Abraham, it says here, verse 3, Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, took the two young men with him and Isaac his son and cut the wood for the other and went in the place which God had told him. And on the third day, he lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. What did he see? He saw this. He saw what he told the young men was going to happen. He looked and saw that hill afar off. And then he told the young men who were keeping the donkeys what he saw. This is what he saw. He says, stay with the asses and I and the lad will go there and worship and then come back to you. So he saw himself and his son coming right back off that same hill that we went up to. Why? He didn't know Jehovah Jireh as such quite, but he knew he would meet him up there. And when he met him up there, what promise God had given him so many years ago was still going to come to pass. And see, this is what we have to keep in mind when we get to waiting and hoping and getting scared and getting unrest and getting all that we get when it doesn't happen soon enough. See, you think your faith is on a short leash. Your faith is tied to an eternal power. It's little inside of you because your mind wanders because stuff happens because we get carried away or somebody don't do us right. 
And we get upset about things and all that kind of stuff. But that faith, the faith of the Son of God is tied into eternity and to eternal strength and eternal power. So that every time you have faith in Jesus Christ and you have faith in his word, that faith is tied to the strong God. The God who was there before the fall. The God who could do anything and you were able to receive it and able to accept it. So your faith in, in Jesus is not tied to just your little mental concept of faith and how much your little tongue can rattle and confess the word real fast. It's tied into the strong God who can do anything if we'll believe him to loose himself in our situation. Huh? The reason we don't let God loose are because we're so caught up in flaws. The first thing that happens when we got to wait a minute, we start wondering what's wrong. Something's got to be wrong. What did I do wrong? What did they do wrong? What did anybody do wrong? There's wrong somewhere down here. I'm going to root it out. Well, help yourself. But Jesus already did that. See, he rooted out your wrong, my wrong. That's why God can promise us, ask anything. See, I triple dog, dare you. Ask anything. Huh? You know, that, that phrase, ask anything according to my name and I will do it. That that implication there is that if I don't have it already, I'll make it for you. And see, what's happening many times is we're trying, we're getting upset about the making of it. Aren't we? Mm-hmm. It's like I used to w- watch my mother cook. I said, Mama, Mama, when is it going to be done? When is it going to be done? When is it going to be done? You know, you stick your finger in there, try to taste it. It don't taste like nothing. And, Huh? <laughs> He's making it for us. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> cause some of us, if he didn't make it, we wouldn't be satisfied with it. Huh? Critical Charlie. Huh? I got to make her the right stuff because you know she going to expect it from one end to the next. I'm not talking about you, Chuck. But critical, I had to find a C name to go with critical. You understand what I'm saying? A little alliteration, whatever. Uh, you know what I'm saying. So he knows if he don't make it just right for some of us, we have, this ain't God. I rebuke you, Satan. This ain't. Right. I asked for red bottom shoes. I didn't ask Anybody can wear shoes with tan bottoms on them. I gotta have red bottom shoes. Get your little elves out and they go with their little crayons and markers. You leave a little blood trail everywhere you go. Better not rain and better not snow or you're in trouble. <laughs> oh, praise God. Amen. Amen. So, Jehovah Jireh provides himself. Huh? 
In other words, what he's saying is he is our substitute. See, this is an allusion to Jesus Christ. Amen. So everything in in the redemptive names of God points to Jesus Christ. He himself will provide. Or he will provide himself. Amen. With Christ as our substitute, we have the original strong God laying down his strength on our behalf and becoming weak like us and identifying with us so that when he raises us up together with him, we're a match. Amen. So he can walk with us and we can walk with him. He knows everything we're experiencing. He knows all of those things. Absolutely all of them. And he's made provision for everyone. He is a great high priest. You know, the, the priest was taken from among men. But they also lived among people. Now that is not to say that ministers shouldn't prosper or do better or whatever, whatever. But there must be some way that we can still identify with people. And see, the prosperity that that flows through the church as we know it now has stifled that. We have people who have prospered financially and in size of ministry that really don't feel like they're part of us anymore. Got me? Their faith has brought them to a place of imminence. You understand what I'm saying? But Jesus is never like that, folks. You can always go, I don't care how many preachers get what, do what, mess up, don't mess up, do well, don't do well. You have a great high priest that sits in the heavenlies who can do much more for you than any earthly minister. That's why the Pope slaps people. (laughs) He's not one of them anymore. And they get reminded every time they get a chance to. Huh? So Jesus is our great high priest. He knows how to come into situations that are challenging for us, that are difficult for us. He knows how to counsel us, how to help us, how to get us to understand what it is about us that is being challenged. You know, sometimes people have an understanding of abilities that they have that haven't quite been developed yet. But they think they're ready for a greater challenge in life. Got me? Now, we can all sense the gift. We can sense there's an interest there. There's a desire there. There's something brewing on the inside of us that's craving for expression. Well, God knows that too. And there is a working out of some things that would hinder it and make it not successful that we don't know about, can't see, and don't need to know about. That he is working. 
And so we have to trust in God's faithfulness, folks. You can't just see yourself being somewhere in abracadabra, you're there. You got me? Uh, there's a, uh, but you, when you get there, you gotta go there in God. He's got to be in there with you. You can't leave him behind and advance yourself. You can't do it. And you don't wanna do it. Because he's trying to spare you the headache of being overwhelmed, of being nervous, of being a person that, that, uh, meets failure all of a sudden when you could have made success if you'd let him be your success and move into it with him. See, everything that he has for us, we move into it with him. You can't leave him behind. I don't care how smart, intelligent, educated, gifted you are. You can't leave. You can't take all of that and let it make room for you without him. You wind up shipwrecked, broke, busted, disgusted. Because you got to have faith that these things will work out well. Many of us, if he transported us into where we think we want to be, We'd have such insecurity. You you see who you really are. You get in a place where you're not supposed to be. Amen. You'll see what really, really is what what's really a part of you. And see, we can feel very competent and very capable in our own minds under certain situations and circumstances. But let something happen and you get out from from under your whatever it is you're depending on as your strength. And you'll see who you really are. And some people never recover. Some people never recover. I've had people tell me stuff. Well, I don't get nothing on credit. I just, you know, I said, well, what's wrong with credit? You know, just curious. I mean, yeah, if you got faith that instant money all the time, you know what I'm saying? Bless me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, <laughs> we'll just switch places. Then you'll hear something. Well, I had a credit card a long time ago and see failure. I said, well, what happened? Well, I spent too much. Everybody does that. Huh? Everybody get out your credit card. Everybody. Huh? But see, for that person, it was a great tragedy. You see what, see that's what God wants to spare us from. Stepping out ahead of Him and experiencing a great tragedy. So much so that we never recover. Now I praise God, that's not my gift. <laughs> I can probably, I can probably go bust it several times and recover. Huh? You understand what I'm saying? When you understand where you're going in God and you understand having peace with him. No peace, no promotion, folks. You gotta get peace with where you are. And God will promote you. Huh? He will promote you. But you have to have peace. You gotta be a peaceful person. Huh? And you have to be thankful. Wherever you are, God put you there, folks. You gotta, you gotta bless that. You gotta understand that. You gotta be comfortable with that. You, you, you really do. Now there is a place in us where we're full and hungry at the same time. 
You got me? But full and hungry, not ravenous. You got me? If you're going to be ravenous, be ravenous for the things of God. It'd be ravenous to go out and affect more people with the gospel. Yeah, I mean, if you got to have zeal, you don't have zeal about something, get zeal about that. And so God wants us all to experience the Jehovah God, the redemptive God in all areas. So this is why we experience tests and trials. This was Abraham's trial. And he tells Isaac in, in verse 8, he said, God will provide himself. Amen. So they both went together and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abram built an altar there, laid the wood, bound Isaac and laid him on the altar and stretched forth his hand for the knife to kill him. And finally, the angel stopped him. God will stop you when it's going too far. God will stop the test when it gets to the point where you're, you think you're going to give up. Listen, hear me and hear me again. God will stop it when it needs to be stopped. You don't stop it and go off and do something else. God was satisfied with the condition of Abraham's heart only When he put that knife up, after he had strapped his son at the altar, after he had gone through, going through with, because Abraham only saw them coming back down and the boy alive. He didn't see the boy's life being spared at the top of the hill. So he had faith that if he killed that boy, God would raise him up again and they would. See, that's greater faith than believing that God's going to stop it before you see. He knew they were coming back when they're at the bottom of the hill. He could have turned around and said, well, God's going to take care of this. You know how people are. Huh? God, he won't have you go through all that, honey. I know God. Really? Well, I'm going to know him more. Because I'm staying right where I am. Huh? Ain't going nowhere. Huh? When you trust him, you don't have to move. What do we, my foot shall not be moved. That means you won't move it either. Huh? Blood had to be shed to make an atonement. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Abraham knew a sacrifice would have to be made when he got up to that hill. And he said, hey, if it's my son, then God, I trust you enough to let my son stay on here. And it was only when he was about to stab him and and cut his throat that God told him to stop. God will push us or let us be pressed to the limit Now hear me well, folks. You you will pass the test. People who don't have faith to be pressed to the limit get off the hook. They either let themselves off or they kick and scream too much and God settles out with you at a, a lesser level. 
That's why a lot of times people, you know, when in their ministries, they never have supernatural ministry. Because, you know, the minute the husband starts, and listen, God uses family members to perfect us. The minute the husband starts griping about you, you spend too much time in that Bible. Huh? And you slam it and say, well, I ain't studying no more. Huh? And next thing you know, you're telling all the girls about it, telling your girls about it. And they want him anyway. So they'll encourage you to dump him. Oh, Bob, don't be so mean. Don't be so raw. This <laughs> is what Cece used to say. Oh, that's raw. <laughs> <Yeah>. Huh? <laughs> you know. Yeah. And Or they don't want to see you with him. They want you to be happy. But that's your girl, them your girls. We don't want to start no trouble with you and your girls, but <laughs> girls get like that sometimes. And men too. You know, they worse. <laughs> Some of them anti hen parties get real serious. Let's see, they want to run off and, you know, well, we just separated. I said, well, I've seen this before. Uh You just can't make up your mind if you can afford to take care of yourself yet. (laughs) Seems reasonable to me. I'm just talking reasonable terms. Hmm? You hesitate because you ain't sure everything ain't lined up the way you. But you go to a few more false prophets and I got somebody better for you. Better than. Huh? A lot of people divorce spouses. I was in the line and they knew stuff about me. I said, all witches know stuff about you. Huh? They all do. And you don't know if they knew it or not. You're just so anxious to get a word to tell you you could leave. Huh? No, oh, God will do that. Yeah. He'll say, I'll answer them according to their own delusions. God will give you a prophecy to match your crazy head. It's in the Bible. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of things we hear come from us. They don't come from God. Because we are our God. Many times. You got me? I submitted to him. You mad at somebody and won't forgive somebody and angry and rebellious? You think you're going to hear from God? I don't think so. Well, just keep talking to yourself. But you'll hear what you want to hear. And then, you know, they let themselves off the hook. Well, he won't, he won't, I just can't study at home. And my husband complains. My did too. But I sick the Holy Ghost on him. 
Huh? I had to meet my best friend, my shield, my buckler, my protector. Huh? Next thing I knew, that brother was up in a, it used to be the, before we were saved, he called it, what did he call it, Gigi? The get high room. Yeah. All his, all his pseudo expensive, uh, sound equipment up in there. But see, he had promised me he'd start going to church with me when we moved to Detroit. At that point, I could care. You know, I was so in love with Jesus, I said, listen, you come to church, you don't have to come to church. This girl is gone. You understand? I'm going to serve God, period. Huh? There you go. That's your answer. You have to live like that. Huh? No, I didn't tell him. But every time he would threaten something, I'm like, okay, you know, ooh, I'm hurt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> I'm messing with y'all. You need to laugh sometimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, if you don't, you will cry for real. Some of this stuff. Huh? <laughs> Next thing I knew, I, I went up to his so-called ex-get-high room. He got all his expensive equipment in there now, you know, listening to his music. He thought it was his music. Wasn't no music on or nothing like that. And I go in there and he's sitting up there. Excuse me? Do we see tears? Huh? I just was thinking God had blessed me so much and I don't deserve it. I said, yeah. It's called getting saved, brother. Huh? It's called repentance. It's called brokenness. Huh? I used to get mad at you all the time. I said, well, no, that's what you, but I sure wanted to. Want well, some cheese with that wine, brother? Huh? <laughs> My little carnal self was down there having a good time. <laughs> Woo! It's on! No, but... <laughs> huh? What you thought you couldn't stand, you stood, you sat, you cried. You threw a fit, you threatened, you did everything, but you held on. And that's all testing is, is holding on. Huh? If you can hold on with joy, it's even better. You can hold on with a good attitude and a, a forgiving heart toward God. You get more. See, you can start to rejoice with people over their salvation. You got me? And and be more attentive to God in in the direction of your prayer. Because then your prayer has to shift and change into what that person desires from God at that step in their salvation. Got me? So there's always, and see, God is preparing you not just to survive the test, but the life that comes after that. He's preparing you for a life. Amen? And he, when he provides, what he provided for, for Abraham and for Isaac was an understanding of the God who provides himself. 
where you think you're being sacrificed, he's provided himself already. You see what I'm saying? You think it's hard for you, but Jesus has gone before you and paved the way for you to have it easy. See, we have it easy, easier than we would without him, easier than people in the world do. People in the world suffer all the time and get nothing because they don't have a a relationship with a Jehovah God, the one who provides, the one who provides himself, who provides Jesus as our substitute. So God is going to put us to the test, folks, this year. Huh? And we will pass. And even if the test is doubled, amen, we'll be able to make it through. God will show himself strong on our behalf. You won't lose anything. Amen. Everything that you possess will be delivered to you intact. Amen. Nothing missing, nothing broken. You'll always have his great peace in your life and it'll be accessible to you. And you'll have great joy in your life. Why? You can rejoice in the fact that, you know what? When this is done, when I'm through this, amen, I'll be whole and entire, lacking nothing. You know, people in the world have that little saying, they they think they understand life. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Believers don't say stuff like that. You know, I mean, come on now. Because that could come from anybody. Amen. But God, the testing of our faith in him. This is what you're going through it with. You see, just like Abraham saw them coming back down from the from the mountain at the end of the trial, you'll see yourself, a vision of yourself at the end of your trial. And start looking at that. He saw that before they went up there. You got me? And before you get into a trial, you see yourself healed. You see yourself whole. You see yourself promoted. You see yourself uh, graduated with honors or whatever it is that you're seeking. Amen. You see yourself in those situations because the God who provides, amen, the strong God, we live with him now. Amen. That's Jesus. He said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Amen. And under the earth ain't no problem either. Amen. <laughs> we don't need to bother with that. That's been taken care of for us. But still, he he has all power and he's delivered it to the saints so that we can use it, amen, and he can be glorified. Okay, we'll stop. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you, Father, Lord God of heaven and earth. Thank you for all things. Thank you, Father, that you are the author of every good and every perfect gift. We bless you. We praise you. And we honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up and I'll pray for you. Praise God. Amen.